Welcome to another episode of the EQ Elevator podcast, where I use a practical emotional intelligence toolkit and framework to shed light or to shine light on challenges leaders, C-suite leaders in the STEM industry face. Last week, I spoke about challenges, specifically the chief people officers or human resources director face when it comes to building a resilient organizational culture through talent development management strategy, and also to finding and retaining the right talent uh, in cybersecurity. Today, we are going to focus on the unique challenges that the chief information security officers face, and particularly when it comes to managing the stress levels that come with this position, but also how do you build a healthy security culture as a CISO, I was going to say as a CEO, which probably is a Freudian slip because that's also a responsibility of the chief executive officer, but it's not always recognized, which brings me to the point that the role of the chief information security officer is not always clear cut in every industry or specific organization. So today I'm going to use the EQ Elevator framework and the emotional intelligence skills to help you develop some new perspectives, to give you some key takeaways to one, reduce the stress that you face as a chief information security officer, and two, building a secure, healthy security culture within your organization. Now, for some of you may recognize that my voice is slightly different or has some invariances, because if you follow my personal newsletter every Saturday, I share my own raw reflections on building personal resilience, mental health, emotional well-being is important to me. So I share my stories, what I feel comfortable with, to inspire others to build that personal resilience. And I've been facing a lot of health challenges lately, but I'm very resilient. Of course, Murphy's Law, the universe is subscribed to my personal newsletter. So I'm recovering from a cold. And thank God it's already getting better. But I had a few days where I was quite knocked out and couldn't even uh, gather myself to speak words, let alone correct English. So today uh, I continue to be on my mission to build bridges in this, or in this working world where digital challenges prevail and putting a lot of pressure on people. With that said, let's start. The, the challenges I'm going to focus on today here in this podcast are specifically related, one, the invisible stress factors that CISOs often face in their role. I did already a previous podcast specifically related to invisible stress factors. I actually did two, so you can feel free to listen to those, but I will refresh some points related to invisible stress that may help you in reducing the stress factor so you can feel more focused, feel more clear in your mind and in your vision in transforming cyber as a business risk and build a healthy security culture, which is the second uh, challenge that CISOs often face is how do you build a healthy security culture? What does it mean? What is a healthy security culture? The quote or the statement that I like the most that displays 
what a healthy security culture is. What would people do when left with security of their own devices and their company's devices? How would they behave? How would they use it? And how would they work with a security first mindset without feeling hampered, burdened, or restricted? And this is uh, obviously a technological factor. This is not only the responsibility of IT, cybersecurity, or anyone who is tasked with uh, building a solid, secure infrastructure, but it's also about talent management and business risk, which is why I believe wholeheartedly Cyber resilience is based on a triangle where you have the CEO on the top that's responsible for or accountable for business continuity. And then on one side, you have the CPO who's responsible for talent management and organizational resilience. And at the other hand, you have the CISO responsible for cyber secure organization that meets the need of the company in this digital hybrid working world. So unless we keep it as a triangle and not in silos, you're not going to make a lot of sustainable success. So last week was CPO, this week CISO, and next week or the week after, next week I will release another episode uh, on women in cybersecurity careers. And the week after is CEO. And then let's, again, if you're new to my podcast, you can go back to the first podcast episode to learn more about the emotional intelligence model. But emotional intelligence is how we deal with our immediate challenges. Our cognitive intelligence is more long-term thinking. How do we deal with our strategic uh, challenges versus emotional intelligence is our immediate challenges. And the toolkit that I use is, is designed and developed, a scientifically validated tool for the workplace. So it has five skills, self-perception, how we perceive ourselves, how we express ourselves, how we relate to each other, how we make decisions, and how we manage stress. So there are 15 sub-skills in total, and I use these skills uh, exchangeably to help you make practical changes to address the challenges you face as a C-suite leader. Now, the first, first element or dimension is you can use this uh, you can use emotional intelligence as a bridge as an implementation bridge how when we talk about healthy security culture which will mean different things for different people as a CISO it depends on the risk appetite of the board of the leadership of the executive management board how much risk are you willing to take in the current era now, based on that, then your role is to manage the cybersecurity risk as best as possible. And it's not that does not only involve your team, your cybersecurity professionals, or your IT team, if you lack the resources to do, or the third party organizations you're working with, or the technology that you have, or the insurance. It goes further than that. It goes how do you get people to do things differently on the job? How do you get people to think responsibly when working remotely? Not using, for example, personal devices if the need for speed is not met. Or thinking critically and being more assertive 
when asked for personal details or company details. Another example is when we feel stressed or when we feel there's a sense of urgency, stop, reflect, right? And having it more is a lifestyle. This is where well-being and HR comes in as well. And understanding that cyber is not a risk in its own, but it's a foundational layer of managing risk for each business line. It's, it's, it's the nervous system for the business bottom line because we are using cloud architectures, we're using online technology and software to make transactions, to have meetings, to work together. Our nervous system in the digital age is the IT, the technology, and how we use the technology is how we can work in the most secure and safest way. And you need to be able to communicate it in people's map of the world, what's in it for them, so they don't feel that it's an additional burden. And this is where emotional intelligence can help you implement your strategies, whatever they are in specifically to your role and in your company. So let's look at it from a, a directly jump into the EQ Elevator Framework. So I use the EQ Elevator Framework to show when you look at these challenges from the first floor, which is your perspective, what you can learn from this. When you look at it from the second floor, from the other person's or group's uh, perspective, then you learn more information from their map of the world with less bias. When you look at it from an observer's view, the third floor, so this is where all bias and uh, stereotypes and assumptions we have fade away, so you can get another clear picture. Then you look at it from an organizational perspective, the business perspective, which is the fourth floor, and then more in the macro environment, the fifth floor. Now, sometimes you need to use all these floors to be able to come to the best solution possible uh, for the specific challenge, and sometimes you just need one third or fourth floor. So I'm just going to go over them high level to give you a taste on how you can tackle your specific challenges by using the EQ elevator. First floor is, and this is, it's related to how you view yourself, self-perception. And it's about not only do you have confidence in yourself or do you like yourself in both of your positive and negative qualities, but also from a functional perspective. If you recently stepped into a new company as a CISO role, or if you are already long-term CISO, but the demands on your job are changing as a rabbit paste. I said rabbit because I do have a rabbit as well, a, a home rabbit. <laughs> I spoke correct English, but I used the wrong word. And the rabbit is very active, so maybe that's why. Now I lost my train of thoughts. Your, the demands that are on you, and especially if it's unclear what your role is, not only in relation to your portfolio of uh, deliverables, but also in your function in relation to others. This is something that is a, a challenge for, for, for team leaders, for C-suite, that often people stick to their own map of the world in silos without understanding how it relates to each other as an organizational whole. And unless we continue to to build those relationships, to clarify, to communicate, but have a very clear overview of roles and responsibilities that are regularly reviewed because 
things unforeseen or unforeseen happen. And you cannot just be in a specific way of working or thinking in order to deal with those challenges. For example, if you as a CISO see your roles purely related to implementing secure ways of working, getting people to do their cybersecurity training, and making sure that the human surface attack is as small as possible, while the CPO is developing talent management and leadership uh, programs and recruitment strategy purely based on technical requirements and not on leadership requirements, so people that are hired in a technical capacity can actually tap into their character and leadership skills to manage and overcome uh, uh, cyber crises, even if they're small, often they go unnoticed to the um, outside world or even to the C-suite themselves. But it is requires that leadership, that proactiveness, those emotional intelligence skills. Uh, the other day I saw someone now, and I think it was an article in HBR, wants to call them real skills. I said, then we're going to have a debate of what are fake skills. <laughs> I think it's more important to practice what you preach instead of coming up with new words all the time because people will give meaning to what they feel comfortable with at the end, even though uh, it is clear that how we relate to each other and how we overcome challenges is a must-have in today's world. So these are the things that can cause a problem. And if you as a CISO don't necessarily have the confidence in, you have confidence in your ability, but you don't have confidence in other people's ability to build a safe and secure way of working, it's going to impact your invisible stress and even your visible stress. It's a stress factor because perhaps if you are really concerned and dedicated to your job, you will feel personally responsible for it and you will feel personally accountable. And it's a lot of weight to carry that often is not yours, especially if you're not given the resources or the support you need to build a healthy security culture. Which brings me to the other point, challenge, how do you build a healthy security culture uh, when collaborating with others? Now, this is not a quick fix, but here is where interpersonal relations skills relationship skills come in, where empathy comes in, where flexibility. These are all necessary indicators, KPIs, if you like, to uh, work with others and integrate cyber hygiene, so a healthy way of working online, we simplify it, in their day-to-day work without making it feel as a burden. And this requires a lot of empathy, even on your side. And doesn't, I'm not saying that you're not, you don't have empathy, but it's investment because you need to understand the work of other people and you don't necessarily have the time for this. So it has to be part of a reflection practice, uh, perhaps like what I always do also with my clients, once during our coaching sessions, once a week, they have they set aside an hour. We did a time management exercise, and initially, before the time management exercise, they couldn't find an hour. I'm too busy, Nadia. <laughs> but after we did the time management exercise in a very compassionate, fun, and practical way, they had more than an hour even left. So the other time that they had left was more for self-care and things that brought them positive emotions. But during that one hour, really was a very specific goal 
that they are going to work on in building healthy security culture. So you're not going to attack everything or tackle everything at once, but you're going to do a risk management matrix. What is the most important goal I need to achieve in terms of building healthy security culture? It may start with together with the CPO. How can we incorporate cybersecurity training, not as a standalone, but in a training that is already given? So it doesn't feel as an extra mental burden to the people. And how can we give the training that fits the portfolio of the different function? So when it comes to the marketing department, how can we help the marketing department to still have a aggressive information campaign, but in such a way that the data remains secure and they're not exposing anything uh, from the company that can lead to commercial espionage or that can lead to data breaches, and so on. And, and once you have a clear overview of all the goals you need to tackle, even if there are 50 or 100, at least they're no longer subconsciously hidden somewhere. You are aware of them, and you have a plan to tackle one by one. And that already will reduce your stress by 50%, because everything that we don't know but is turning in the back of our mind drains us from our positive emotions. So this is a really important, very practical step. First, understanding how you see your role, also in relation to others and the fears, the underlying fears behind that, and then tackle them one by one. As long as you have a plan, that's half the battle. And then the, the second floor is the other person, and we already touched upon it in this element, is how can you put yourself as much as possible in the other person's map of the world where you struggle the most in building a healthy security culture. What are their needs and how you how can the security culture training or implementing cyber hygiene be part of meeting their needs, right? It's about compromise. But it starts seek to understand before being understood. When people feel understood, when people feel heard, their defense mechanism will go down. They're more or less likely to be resistant to change at their pace and then develop higher levels of flexibility. When you look at it from a third floor, so from a neutral, this is where you can just you know, lay back uh, and imagine you're looking at this. You have to be relaxed when doing this because if you're stressed, you're, going, you're not going to see what you need to see in order to have more information because you're going to be in a stress response. So you have to feel relaxed so you can take up information with all your senses. And you just imagine yourself looking at the TV screen with a specific scenario that is drains your energy or is worrying you, whereas someone is not giving you the resources or is not, not having a compliant behavior, or whereas someone did something that increases their cyber risk profile, whatever it is for you that is causing you invisible and visible stress, look at the scenario and really approach it with a level of curiosity and non-judgment so you can and see from an emotionally detached perspective what is going on and use that information to correct course. This is how our brain functions the best when we have, it's a goals-driven mechanism in a way. We all, if we set goals, right, that we understand, then we are going to make mistakes, but then we correct course. And that is a learning mechanism for our brain to know next time, okay, we're not gonna do that. So the third floor is not having the bias 
or stereotypes or assumptions uh, get in the way of decision making and correcting your course. And then this is the fourth scenario, which is probably one of the most important when it comes to communicating cyber risk uh, from a business continuity perspective. And this is linked to self-regard. If you view yourself purely as technical or purely as cyber, or you're using tech jargon and you don't see yourself as a qualities of a CEO or qualities of a business leader, then it's going to be very difficult to communicate in such a way the business risk. It's important to develop a practical growth mindset. Just because you haven't done it in the past doesn't mean you cannot do it. And here's where I also use with my client is um, mental practice. Everything that feels that is unfamiliar to our mind comes with great discomforts and limitations and hold us back because of an invisible fear and stress. But when we see ourselves in the process, in the habit of actually doing it, it already significantly decreases our anxiety and our limitation that we're not able to do it. So you can understand what cyber means in the CEO's map of the world, how does it impact their priorities? Same thing for CFO, same thing for CEO, the, the, the C-suite or the management teams within your organization that present the highest risk for uh, expanding the human service attack when it comes to managing cyber risk. That's how you build resilience, right? You have a step-by-step -step plan, but you have priority. You can't deal with all people at once, but which ones present the highest risk and really communicate from their map of the world and see yourself doing so successfully. It's a mental practice. This is practice, this is what athletes do. This has been used in the business world for many decades because it's proven scientifically that when we create new mental images, we feel more, we develop the confidence muscle and we reduce the level of stress that comes with fear because it's unfamiliar. These are the four floors I recommend you go through. How do you see yourself in terms of your function? Uh, what is unclear about your function? And how do you see the function in relationship to other function? What do you believe are your roles and responsibility? And how does other key players in your organization, like the CPO and CEO, view their role? And how is it keeping you away from building cyber resilience together as a part of Triangle? Empathy, when you communicate cyber risk from people's map of the world, understand what are their needs, and then use cyber risk to meet those needs in a more secure way, even for, their, for themselves. Overcome biases and stereotype beliefs by looking at it from an objective view, from a third floor, where, where you, and you can do it with a very specific scenario because that will help you solve that specific challenges and then give you the give your brain information for the other ones as well and then the fourth floor from a business organizational perspective cyber is nervous system it's not an ad hoc discipline on its own it, the hybrid digital working world has a nervous system which is information technology and that is also representing a risk which is why Cyber is so important, but the human aspect is how do we use technology in a way that minimizes the risk and reduce and, and build a strong nervous system that is not easily 
attacked. So I hope that these insights related to emotional intelligence can help you build cyber resilience, reduce your stress, and uh, set and pursue some meaningful goals when it comes to building a healthy security culture. So next week, I'm releasing an episode on how women can be bolder, braver in pivoting towards cybersecurity, whether it's entry-level or mid-level career, how they can go after leadership position, even if they are in cybersecurity position, and how organizations can also pivot to attract uh, the right uh, female talent or minority groups to build a uh, safer and secure organization for themselves. Thank you for listening and until next week. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive BTQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivebtq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.